We are uh, looking here. We have been preaching uh, out of our sermon series on biblical foundations. And uh, we're going to uh, look tonight, if you will, uh, we're going, we have been looking at the meaning here of baptism. What is meant uh, when we baptize. And so uh, we're going to take a look here tonight uh, as uh, the, a couple weeks ago when we were uh, here in service, uh, we were looking at, at the fact that in baptism, we are identifying in the crucifixion uh, with Christ. And, uh, and so tonight we're going to be taking a look here uh, as what it means to be identified in burial. And so if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 6, and uh, we're going to read here verse number 4. And while you turn in your place in Scripture, if you would stand with us one more time as we uh, read the Word of God. And uh, take a look here. We have been uh, spending uh, some time here on these biblical truths and looking at some of these foundational uh, doctrines that we uh, preach, we teach, we believe, we live, and uh, we have been talking about the fact that we have been looking at this for the simple fact of, of not only uh, answering the question, what is it, what is it that we believe, but also why do we believe this? And uh, there's sometimes that uh, there are folks that they can uh, tell you different things, well, I believe like this. Or sometimes the dangerous answer is, I think I believe like this. Or I think I've been told this, right? And, uh, but why is that? And uh, so we've been, we've been just looking very specifically at Scripture along these lines. And we have talked about the fact, starting with the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what does that mean? We've talked about salvation. And uh, we have talked about... Uh, here we've been on the subject of baptism and uh, because uh, in this day and in this time we've often said we cannot assume. I, I as pastor will never assume that folks just that, that are here, that are coming, visiting, that, uh, that there's always just a, uh, a, that, a, the assumption that everybody just knows what the Bible says and uh, it is uh, imperative that we teach it. That we preach and so we're uh, taking a look at these things. But Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4 and the Bible here says. uh, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. Can we pray one more time? Ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, I thank you once again for your presence. I thank you for your people. Lord, in your word, I pray tonight that you would speak to us, challenge us, Lord, as we look at the word of God. And I pray the word of God that your anointing rest upon our hearts and minds, my mind, my lips tonight. And as we preach this gospel, I pray you'd help us, Lord, that there's understanding and clarity Lord, that we can leave this place always, our testimony, knowing that we've been in your presence. We've been challenged and changed. We thank you for it, Lord, and we do ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. You can be seated here this evening. I want to, if I can, like I said, I made mention it's that we've had a, uh, a couple of weeks as to where uh, due to youth camp and various things that uh, I'd been out of the pulpit and uh, we are coming here back to uh, the sermon series tonight. And if I can just recap here uh, very quickly a couple of things that we've looked at in regards to baptism. Water baptism. And as I have stated is the fact that uh, in regards to this, I have been amazed oftentimes as to how divisive of a topic that water baptism is. There are all types of thoughts and opinions and there are churches and denominations and organizations that have their thoughts and opinions and teachings in regards to baptism. And some of the things that we have been sure to be very clear about And let me just touch on this very quickly because I know we've already preached it and I'm not going to re-preach it tonight. But let me just remind you a couple of things that we have have looked at is the fact that uh, that water baptism, that being baptized in water is not a saving agent. And what I mean by that is the water doesn't save you. The water doesn't make you born again. There's nothing uh, that is magical in that water tank or in that pool or in that creek or wherever you were baptized, whatever water that you were baptized in. I get, I get tickled. You ever heard folks that they call them water snobs? You ever heard that? Amen. Some folks, they say, no, I don't drink nothing but Ozarka. And somebody else says, no, I drink Dasani. And somebody else says, I drink Walmart water. Amen. If you're a pastor, you drink Tapa Chico. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Man, I, t- I, I tell you, thank you so much for that uh, showering of Tapa Chico. Brother Marvin, I've got enough to last to December for sure, I think. We'll see. I might just test it out and see how many do the math and see how much I, how many of those I can drink before I run out. But uh, folks are uh, they have their preferences and and there are some that would say, well, I've been baptized like this or I was baptized here, I was baptized there. As a matter of fact, there are folks I've got very good friends who've had opportunity to go and to visit the Holy Land. And one of the things that happens over there that, if you will, is something that is a great appeal is the Jordan River and there are lots of folks that will go and be baptized some of them rebaptized again in the Jordan River so that they can say that they were baptized in the same place where Christ had been baptized but even at that sister Cindy whether you were baptized here in Beaumont and Victory Temple or if you flew over and went to Israel and was baptized in the Jordan River the water doesn't the water doesn't change anything it doesn't doesn't save or wash our sin away. We have been preaching and been we have been telling of the fact that the only thing that washes our sin away, it is the blood of Jesus. That is the only way that man or woman comes by salvation. Amen. I know there are folks, there are churches, there's denominations that will say, no, in order to be saved, you have to be baptized in our church, the way that we baptize, how we baptize, all of those things. So those are things that we have been 
looking at. And so fast forward, we have uh, we had started here on what does it mean if uh, when we talk about the importance of baptism, we understand that uh, it is an ordinance. And what do I mean by an ordinance? It is something that had been commanded by Christ. Uh, when we were reading one of the one of our texts that we were sharing, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, we find that Jesus told the disciples, He said, "These things which I have said unto you, I want you to go and do." them and he said what was it that he told them to go and do he said uh, he said uh, go and teach them and then baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost and and so therefore we find the example of Christ uh, that he himself was baptized uh, and then as well what we as believers when we or if we have opportunity to be baptized then by all means be baptized. Follow that example of Christ. And we have been looking at, okay, then what does it mean? What is symbolized in this? We understand the importance. We understand it is an ordinance of Christ. It has been commanded. If we have that opportunity, if we are able, then by all means, let's do so. We have looked at the fact that it is to identify, to be identified with Christ. It is a test testimony of what has happened in our lives. Amen. It is a very public testimony. In most places and in most situations, we come to find that baptism happens amongst the corporate body. Amen. To where there are, there is the body of Christ, loved ones, different ones gathered around to see somebody, their loved one, their friend, their brother, sister in Christ, to be baptized. And this is the fact that that person is saying, my life has been changed by Christ and therefore I make a public statement I am making a public testimony I have been identified with him we had talked in the fact that we are identified what does it mean we are identified in his crucifixion in Galatians 2 and 20 it had said this Paul wrote he said I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we come to find in the fact that Paul was stating here, he said, I've come to recognize, if I can paraphrase for just a little bit, he had said, my life is not my own. Amen. He said, the life that I now live he said I live it through Christ I live it by the power of God that is working inside of me amen he had said and what is so pertinent and powerful about Paul's testimony and why he makes this statement and why these things are so crucial is you look at someone like Paul Paul brother Jerry was the one who had made the statement he said if you're looking at the biggest sinner in the world he said if you want to know who number one sinner is, the cheapest of sinners. And that was the fact. Now we know that sin is sin in God's eyes, but Paul said if you're going to if you're going to know anything about me, folks can say what they will. He said, but I was the chiefest of sinners. He said I was a wretch. He went on Sister Debbie to say there was a time that I had yielded my members, the members of my body, my strength, my mind, my thoughts, my zeal.
zeal, all the things I had learned. He said, I yielded it to unrighteousness. He said, but now I am a slave to righteousness. Hallelujah. Paul went on to say in regards to the fact that he was identified with Christ in his crucifixion, he said, Brother Marvin, he said, every day, he said, I die daily. He said, I'm going to lay my life down. He said here because to reciprocate what he was saying in Galatians, he said, it's not Paul anymore. He said, but it's Christ. And can I say tonight, oh, friends, we recognize and we identify the fact that we are identified with Christ. Can I tell you tonight, Jesus himself said when he told the disciples, he said, do not rejoice that you've got power over demons and devils. He said, but rather rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Can I tell the church tonight, there's nothing more important, amen, than to be serving a Savior who died for us. Amen. Died on that cruel cross. It is no longer Jacob Smith. It is not I. But if there's anything good, Brother Wesley, going to come out of my life, it's going to be because I have been to Calvary and I found the Son of God who set me free and liberated me from a life of sin. Oh, I think that it's very important that we understand this because we are finding that today in our culture and sadly in the church world, we are finding as to where there is becoming, Brother Aaron, a very prominent message. And that message is the fact, come on in here as you are. Yes, you've heard me say this hundreds of times. But the message it seems that is preached now is just stay how you are. Just be happy. All we want to do, have you noticed that some of the theme and the thread of the gospel that is being preached today, and I don't know if we should even call it gospel. It's just more of the motivational message. It's to the, it's to the crowd that has an ear that itches and want to hear something good. Tell me something good about myself. And in those regards, we find as to where sadly it is being, it is being taught from our pulpits. It's being taught in Sunday school. It's being taught to our children. It's been taught to moms and dads. And listen to me. There are real people coming into our churches with real situations, real struggles, real problems, real bondages. We got some that they're kids. They are mixed up in all kinds of things. There's folks that are coming in and the marriages are hanging on by a thread. As a matter of fact, Brother Marvin, there are some that they have tried counseling. They've tried this and that and brother Coleman the last thing they're willing to try is to come into church there's some families where it seems like the very DNA the fabric of the family is being stretched and being pulled and being torn and all of those things and we find that it's sitting on our church pews oh brother Jacob that don't happen around here at Victory Temple yes it does amen don't you sit around and pretend that we're exempt or that you've never been up against hell, or that the devil's never fought you, or the devil's never fought your family, because the truth is, it's a fight, Brother Gary, every single day. And I sang all 
all of that to say this. I don't want families that are in that position. I don't want people that are in those positions. I don't want people that their minds are messed up and their emotions are everywhere. Sister Janie to come in and to have a little laugh, have a little silly time, or just walk out of the church and say, wasn't the singing good? Wasn't, that, wasn't he such a good speaker? No, sir. No, ma'am. Sister Linda, I don't want him to see. This ain't about a talent show on the platform. This is not about a personality in the pulpit. This ain't about Jacob Smith. I'm the pastor of this church, but this isn't my church. There's a head of the church, and his name is Christ, and he's the one that died. He's the one that shed his blood. Oh, and I want folks that are in those positions not to come in and see a man, not to come in and have another program, but may they find Christ and him crucified and the one that changes lives. May they find deliverance. May they find healing. May they find restoration because that, my friends, is found at the cross. Paul had said, to many, the preaching of the cross, it's like foolishness. But to those that are saved, it's the power of God. Hallelujah. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, Brother Eddie, and the burdens of my soul rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Oh, some would say that's just old-fashioned, that's too traditional. Oh, you preach that, Brother Jake, folks will call you a stick in the mud. You preach that, Brother Jake, you will not be considered relevant or current. Your church will not be called cool. I agree, Sister Sandy. I think we ought to make preachers uncool again. Amen. I think we ought to make churches uncool again. I think, I think so. because here's what happened somewhere along the way when man got all messed up and trying to be relevant and we thought we could preach other things besides the blood of Jesus. We thought we could preach other things besides the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When we thought we could preach other things besides sanctification and consecration. Let me tell you something. I know, I, I, I know that there's some that it just rubs them the wrong way when I say this. But I'm going to tell you, I saw it work in my family. I saw it work in my grandpa. I saw it work in my grandma. I've seen it work in folks, friends. Amen. And their lives changed. And brother Eli, today I have an assurance and I know, not because I hope so, not because I think they might, but I know they made it to heaven because they lived for Christ. It was Christ that lived in them. And if it could save them and keep that generation, then I want to tell our nine and ten and 11 and 12 and 13 year olds I want to tell our babies I want them to come up brother Eli let them see us shout let them see us at the altar let them hear the songs about the blood let them hear the preaching of the word because it will keep them too it will get them to heaven it will save their soul it's amazing how today's church we have his name on our buildings. We dedicate our programs and name our songs and all these things after him. But the truth is that in the majority of the time, we want Christ nowhere around our church. Because if Christ is there, 
then what happens is, is conviction sets in that place. The Holy Ghost will set. And when I'm talking about the Holy Ghost, some think the Holy Ghost is just for a shout or a dance. No, sir, no, ma'am. He's a convictor. You know what he does? He'll reveal thoughts. He'll read your mail. Come on here. There used to be the old time or the old time evangelists come in. They'd operate in the gift of the word of knowledge. Amen. They, they would buy under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Now I'm talking about ones that was, that was legitimate. Amen. But they'd start, to, they'd begin to speak and, and they'd begin to, to call folks out. And they could tell you things that was going on. Boy, you talk about a church getting uncomfortable real quick. Right then and there, everybody start repenting in their pew. Jesus, I just plead the blood of Je- I just plead the blood over my mind, over my heart. Forgive me. Forgive me for what happened. Forgive me for what I know you saw what I did back in, you know, nineteen forty six on that Monday night. Come on here. Everybody get but let me tell you something. We we find in the fact that the Holy Ghost he'll begin to reveal and convict. And these are things. What why do we need this? Because Brother Gary Jesus said this. He said, He said, I'm gonna go away. He said, But my father's gonna send a comforter. And he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And he said, and the one that comes after me, he will testify of me. So the Holy Ghost testifies of the Son, and the Son testifies of the Father. It's the Godhead in perfect unity. Amen. When you see, and he said, and when he comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. Amen. So therefore, that's why, Brother Michael, I want to be identified with Christ. Because if you're going to be identified with Christ and his crucifixion and his death, then we're going to identify with the Holy Ghost because where Christ is, the Spirit of God is. Where the Spirit of God is, Brother Jimmy, the Word says there's liberty. And where there's liberty, that's where folks are set free. That's when the captive is set loose. That's when the addict is delivered. That's where the sinner is saved. I don't know about you. Tell us we're not cool. But we, honey, are identified with Christ. We're going to raise a bloodstained banner and we're going to camp at the foot of the cross it's our everything let it be said let that be what it is amen we may not pack out a building we may not have the have big crowds like others will but I'm going to tell you something brother Jake ain't going to put on a pair of skinny jeans to draw them in because he wouldn't draw them in he'd run them out the door I'll tell you that right now. Come on here. Come on here. I ain't gonna get, we ain't going to get caught up in that stuff. Amen. I think it might have been Brother Gary. I, I think it was Brother Gary. But some of us men were talking the other day about Brother Clendenin. And said that Brother Clendenin was uh, here at the church. And there was, a, there was a service. And the place was full. And said there was a couple fellas came to him and said... Pastor Clinton, and we can give you some tools. We can give you some resources to help you even. We could, we, could, we could help double the size of this place. We could really make it. We could really make it grow and make it big. And uh, Brother Gary said he entertained them for about three minutes. And after they gave a three minute of a spiel, they, he said, we're, we're all right. Y'all can go on now. Amen. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of folks. But here's what I want you to understand is that when we are identified with Christ, when Christ is recognized, and when Christ is prominent in the place of our lives, when He, Brother Heath, is prominent in our church, what did Jesus say? 
He said, if I be lifted up, I will what? Draw all men unto me. I will draw all men unto me. And we, we have to remember this and we have to keep this in mind. I want you to understand it's imperative and important. You'd say, well, I, I get what you're saying about us as the church. But here's what you have to understand is that individuals and families make up the church body. And so therefore, Sister Anna, you, Sister Karen, you, Brother Michael, you, Brother Michael, you, Sister Kimberly, you, we personally, we have to be identified with Christ and Christ in us. Amen. Because understand, some would say, oh yeah, praise God, just get on down to victory and you'll see Jesus. But I want to say, he had better be identifiable in your life personally. Amen. He's got to be identifiable in your life personally. The act of baptism tells us we are identified in his crucifixion. And we are identified in his burial. So when we do this, when we identify the crucifixion and one is going to be baptized, it is the public confession of faith. It is the testimony of the fact that I have accepted Christ into my heart. My sins have been forgiven. I am one of his. Amen. And so that is that first identifying marker. I recognize Christ died for me. And then in this, when we baptize someone, we do so in full submersion of water. Right? We don't sprinkle. We don't pour. We dunk. Amen. We baptize in the fact that they are enveloped in that water. That water... When they go down under that water, it is a representation of that death of that old man. And it is a, t- a representation of a burial of that old life, of those old sins, of that old testimony. It is buried with Christ. Now, once you understand why this is so important, again, as we look at the idea and the opinion of the church today where there are many that there is, there is not a desire, a real desire to be set free from sin. There is more that just want to name the name of Christ and say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He's a real good, he's a good guy. He loves me. He wants to bless me with a bunch of stuff, right? He wants this and that, wants me to do this and this. And I just like the idea of God. But there are those that do not understand what it is, that that old man has been buried. That that old man, that self has been buried, flesh has been buried. When we read here from our text, it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. It signifies when we go under, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I want you to understand, here's a simple definition. The definition of bury simply means this, to put an end to. Isn't that good? I think anybody can understand that. To put an end to. It's done. You can further find definition to say, not only has it been put an end to, but it's been put away to be forgotten. Not to revisit. Not to go back. And so when we say that we have been buried with Christ, 
says we have been buried with him in death by baptism. It is symbolic of the fact we have come to Calvary. We identify the fact he died for our sins. But this is where I want you to understand that a lot of times the church that are in the lives of individuals as to where there does not seem to be the follow through. In the fact that we must carefully consider the burial. This burial, the truth of the burial of Christ. Because too many today want to become Christians merely by using the name of Christ without assuming the responsibility of that name. Hear that. Too many want to say they are of Christ. They want to say they are Christians, but they do not want to assume the responsibility of that name. You can take different ones in here, different jobs that you have. Some of you that work in plants. Some of you that work for school districts. Some of you that work at different businesses. Banks, doctors, uh, whatever the case might be. You've got titles and different things of that nature. There are places, some of you have been in some of these positions for many years. And here's what you have to understand. Is that just like at a particular place of your employment, when you sign the contract, when you are They're working at that facility, working for that establishment. There are different things that are now tied to you. You now have a responsibility to represent that company, to represent that person, that employer, that that one who hired you, whatever the case might be. And it's, it's amazing to me how we can understand it on those terms. But when it comes to serving God, we come to find that we only want God in certain parts of our lives but we do not want him in every part of our life oh we will identify with Christ on the parts that are easy but we don't want him trifling around in the parts of our lives amen where we've got the door closed and we want to do our own thing and that's where it says we have to understand we cannot just assume Christianity in name only but we brother Steve have a responsibility I want to tell you this brother Matthew Christ did not die for you or for me in vain I don't want it to be the fact amen that somebody looks at my life and somebody sees and I talk about being a Christian brother Eli but there is everything that is contrary to what that should be my life contrary to the word of God my life contrary to the things of Christ I want you to understand more than ever before we have seen the church has been made a mockery Christ has been made a mockery a laughing stock if you want me to be honest tonight when we look around and see that churches are closing we look around and see buildings are half empty we look around and see where there's disinterest and and people are losing heart oh I know it's easy to blame this thing and that thing or whatever the case might be but the church needs to take a look at herself again we need to reevaluate because Sadly, there are many who came looking for Christ and even in the church could not find him. There are some that were looking for Christ. They were looking for somebody. They looked at somebody maybe on the job, maybe in the family, whatever the case might be, who had claimed that they served God, but they saw behavior. They saw actions and attitudes that were not right, that were ungodly. I'll tell you right now, Mom and Dad, I'll tell you right now, Grandma, Grandpa, you had better be careful. 
careful. You'd better be careful what you allow into your life. You'd better be careful what you allow to tag along with you. Amen. Because there are folks that whether you know it or not, they are looking. And many times are the very ones in your own household. How many of our children are disheartened and disengaged because mom and dad or grandma and grandpa are not the things that they say they are on a Sunday. They are not the things they say they are on a Wednesday. They are not the things they say they are. I want to tell you, saint, you had better be sure that you're carrying the responsibility well and to say my life not only has been saved, but my sins have been buried. I put an end to that. I'm done with that. My sins are forgiven. And I'm walking now in the newness of life. And I want to be a representative of what Christ has done in me. There is nothing worse than within our own home, in our own doors, inside of our own doors, under our own roofs, where there is hypocrisy that abounds. Or the people that know us the best and they really know your language. They really know how you talk. They really know how you carry yourself. They really know the things that are going on with you. You can say that you're Christ, you belong to Christ all day long. But I'm going to tell you is that we have to understand not just a name only, but there's responsibility with that. There's responsibility with that. And I will tell you this is that you will be held accountable when we stand before God, you don't get to bring Brother Jacob there with you. Hey, hey, time out, Lord. Can I go get pastor? No, not going to work that way. Did you know, Sister Allie, when you stand before God, you don't even get to have mom and dad with you. You won't. Husband, wife, you don't get to. Right now, you could blame, you could point the finger, you'd say, well, if they'd straighten up, I could do better. Well, if, this was, if it was like this or this was like that, I could, no. There is personal accountability and responsibility for me, myself, and I. And so, therefore, what happens is those things have to be buried. Buried. When we are baptized, when we go under that water, that is a statement that is made. I am identified in his baptism. I want you to understand Colossians 2 and 12 starts with this. It says, buried with him in baptism... Wherein also ye are risen through him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the, oh, I love this, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Amen. You can talk about different ones said, oh, I know them. They got a rap sheet. They got a record. I'm going to tell you, everybody in here has got a record. The old hymn that sang, and I know some folks don't think hymns are cool anymore, but hymns are still cool in my book. But there was an old song, Sister Cindy, and it said, The old account was settled long ago. Long ago, long ago, the old account was settled long ago. 
He said the handwriting of ordinances. Oh, the accuser of the brethren. Who is that? That's Satan. The accounts were there. The accusations were there. It was all there. It was against us. It was against you, Anna. It was against me, Eddie. It was against us. It didn't matter who we were brought up with. It didn't matter who mom and daddy was. It didn't matter what church we attended. We had record. We had sin. There was problem. And it said it was contrary to us. And took it out of the way. He took it out of the way. He nailed it to the cross. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. I want to tell you the reason why today that I can say my sins are gone. Thank God my sins are gone. is because Sister Bambi, when he took that precious blood and he blotted out the ordinance against me when he forgave me and he washed me oh and brother Eli he took those sins and he buried him in a tomb you see when he was there in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea we find sister Laura that tomb could have said Jacob Smith that tomb could have said Linda Rich it could and should have said Matthew Phillips but I'm glad he laid in my tomb he carried my sin and he said I I'm going to put an end to it. I'm going to, you see, the devil wants to resurrect your past. He wants to resurrect your sin. He wants to resurrect your suffering. He wants you to be condemned and hopeless. But Christ said, no, sir. I put an end to it. I nailed it to the cross. It's been buried with me. Hallelujah. There are some things, you'd say, Brother Jake, there are some things I wish I could forget. There are some things I wish that I could just, if there was a do-over button, I'd do it over. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that, been there. I wouldn't have made that decision. I wouldn't, whatever the case might be. But this is the beautiful thing about the blood, and this is why we preach the cross. This is why we believe, amen, in the power of his death and his burial and his resurrection in the fact that that burial, it put an end to those things. He said, it's done. It's over. You see, I know the enemy wants to draw things back up. Have you ever noticed, can we be very real for just a moment? Have you ever noticed that when you are in frustrating moments, I had a dear friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, Brother James Snow, he told me a long time ago when I was a young man, he said, Jacob, he said, here's what I learned. He said, frustration breeds temptation. When you're frustrated with things in life, when you're frustrated with your day, when you're frustrated with different things going on, he said, it will breed temptation. Have you ever noticed that the times that you are most vulnerable, the times that maybe your mind goes back to certain places, maybe that your mind goes back to certain things, practices, Different addictions, different things that you have been delivered and set free from. Have you noticed that in times of temptation, and times of vulnerability, that's when it seems that the pressure is on the most? Have you noticed that? I want to re- reiterate the fact that temptation does not mean sin. Christ was tempted, but without sin. We are going to face temptation. There's going to be temptation. Only sin is committed when we yield ourselves to that temptation. When we act upon that. And I want you to understand that 
great tool of the enemy that he loves to use as condemnation. And he likes to take those old things. He likes to take that stuff that you, there's times that you, maybe you hadn't thought about it in a long time. It hadn't been, you hadn't entertained it in a long time. But you get in a vulnerable moment. You get frustrated. You get your eyes on men. You get your eyes on all the things that are wrong. You get all, and then all this stuff starts to look and sound appealing. Now, you're not amening very much, but I'm telling the truth. Okay, I know you're uber spiritual. Well, I, don't, I haven't been tempted in 15 years. That's, you're lying. You're lying. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Amen. Listen, we don't have to pretend in those things, but the great victory is the fact that comes is that when those things come knocking at our door, when those things are trying to appeal, when those things are trying to draw, that we can stand and say, this is not by the strength of Jacob Smith, but because of what Christ has done. We can tell the devil, it has been buried. It's been forgotten. Amen. Oh, Brother Gary, has there ever been times that you stood up to minister, that you went to do something, and before you did, have you ever felt the times in preparation over a Sunday school lesson where the enemy would come and throw things at you and say don't you remember what you did don't you remember who you were don't you remember how you acted don't you remember the things you said sister Anna is there ever a time when you come in and it's time to worship and you're ready to lift your hands and you're ready to sing and you're ready to get into the presence of the Lord that the enemy shows up and begins to tell your mind and say you're not even worthy to do that how you're such a pretender you're such a hypocrite is there anybody besides me is there anybody besides sister Anna Oh, you mean you too, Pastor? Oh, yeah, there's times, Sister Cindy. I'm up here in this chair. Oh, and I can look like I'm real spiritual. Right? Oh, I'm a worshiping. Oh, I'm a singing a song. But I've learned I can sing a song. And Sister Linda, and the whole time the devil say, you ain't no more qualified to get in that pulpit than the man in the moon. You're not worthy. You're this. You're that. And I'm telling you, from the pulpit to the back pew, there is an attack on the mind, an attack on the heart. Oh, but can I tell you, if you're in a service one time, and you just got to stop and shout for a minute and say, devil, it's buried. We'll all know what you're talking about. We'll all know what you're saying. We'll all know what you're confessing. I think it'd be good the next time that all of hell's against you. Oh, that we square our shoulders and say, it ain't me. It ain't what I've done. But devil, it's been buried. I have been identified. It is burial. It's put to end. It's put to rest. It's over. It's been covered by the blood. Hallelujah. He said it blotted out the ordinances against us. He blotted them out. Hallelujah. Brother Danny, if you'd come. Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. I want you to understand that burial, the burial of Jesus, it teaches us that our sins have been put away from the presence of God. We, like him, have died, been buried, and risen, spiritually speaking. The burial of Christ is one of the often overlooked, redemptive, historical elements of our salvation. I want you to catch that because a lot of times we preach the cross and we we preach the resurrection. But not all the time do we look at what's so significant about his burial. He died... And he was buried. 
buried three days, and then resurrected. We find that in this, this is a very important element of salvation. Our sins were representatively put away from the presence of God in burial. This secures for us the hope of the physical resurrection on the last day. We must not miss the solidarity that we have with our Lord by the virtue of our union or our identification with Him in burial. Because it's been put away. Burial is an act of faith. What do you mean? I began to research and dig a little bit on the subject of burial in Scripture. And we find that there were particular places that different ones they requested that they were buried. If you remember Joseph, he said, don't, don't you leave my bones in Egypt. He said, take me, carry my bones out of Egypt. He said, take me back to that promised land. Bury me there. There were different things that were significant about where people were buried. And one of the things that we have to understand is that burial, in essence, it's an act of faith. Faith that our lives, our sin have been put away by Christ. And faith that we will be resurrected again. Faith to know that resurrection will take place. It was interesting in this part of study coming to find that many cemeteries, and most of, most of us see this, there are plots of land, there are cemeteries here where there's not a particular church that's on the premise, but it's just a, it's just a cemetery. But did you know that most of the cemeteries, and just speaking right here in the United States of America, most of them are on church property. You ever been out in the backwoods somewhere? And you see a little church, and maybe behind the church or across the, across the road from the church, there's a cemetery. When I was growing up, just up the road from my grandma Merle's house, there was Walton Chapel. And across the street, Sister Carmen, I say across the street, it's Gravel Road. Across Gravel Road is Walton Chapel Cemetery. I've got grandmas and grandpas that are buried there. Great-grandmas and great-grandpas. Got lots of family in that cemetery. I remember one time somebody said something, and I know that they were trying to be kind of funny, maybe a little bit snarky about it. And they said, said, well, all these churches got cemeteries on their property, just a reflection that that, that church is dead. You know, folks that, you know how folks will just say stuff, just to say stuff. But what's interesting when you understand the history why a lot of churches would use portions of their land for the cemetery was the fact that they wanted to provide a place that those that had given their lives to Christ and lived for service in His kingdom, a proper place to be buried. And they said, what better place than oftentimes for them to be buried at the churches or the place that represents the kingdom of God for which they lived. The second thing was this, and I love this. And we're going we're gonna to have one more message on baptism, and it's going to be identified in the resurrection. But it said that a lot of these churches not only gave a proper place as a testimony for lives that were lived in service of the kingdom of God, but also as a statement because they believed in, by faith 
in the power of the resurrection and that on that resurrection day what do we come to find what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us it says the dead in Christ are going to rise first at the trump of God and so those churches that had those old saints buried on that church property it was going to be a statement piece that when folks went by those cemeteries those graves there were open because they were folks who were resurrected by a resurrected Savior that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you and we'll preach on that another service but I'm thankful tonight how many of you would say I want to be identified with Christ in his crucifixion in his burial heads bowed tonight all over this house father I thank you tonight for your faithfulness I thank you tonight for the precious blood I thank you Lord that you have given us the newness of life and I'm so thankful for Calvary Lord the death that you suffered on that cruel cross the blood that you shed so that we might have life. And Lord, tonight, let us not overlook as well. Not only have we been identified in your crucifixion, but Lord, we've been identified in burial. You've put an end to those things. We don't have to dig up and resurrect our sinfulness. We don't have to go back into the mess and the pit of sin. We don't have to live under condemnation from the enemy because you have buried it. You have put it under. You have put it away. And Lord, tonight, maybe there are some that are wrestling. Wrestling with things that have haunted them from their past. Maybe there are some tonight that they've wrestled with the areas of condemnation in their life. Maybe the enemy, and we know that he doesn't fight fair. He's thrown things up. And maybe some that in places of vulnerability, they've been tempted to go back tempted to dabble maybe Lord we haven't represented you to the best of our ability maybe there's still some things that we've tried to hang on to but Lord it's death it's sin and we need to let it go Lord let you put an end to it and we want to represent you Lord within that newness of life a testimony that we have been set free and liberated liberated from a life of sin Father, tonight I pray you challenge and draw our hearts. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I want to be identified not only in crucifixion, but also in the burial. Knowing that my sins, that sinful life, an end has been put to it. It has been buried. And I want to represent Christ. I want to walk in the newness of life. I want to show forth a life that has been free and forgiven and that can show the power of God at work in every place of my life, my talk, my attitude, what I participate in, what I allow in my life, what are my habits, what are my hobbies. I want Christ to be the center of it all so that others see Him. If that's us tonight, before we leave this place, can we come find ourselves a place to pray around these altars? Would we tonight, would you allow the Holy Ghost search your heart, challenge your mind, would you tonight allow the Lord? Oh, maybe there's some things you need to be reminded. You need to hear heaven tonight. Tell you, remind you that if there's an end been, it's been put to. It's been put to an end. It's been buried. It's in, it's in the tomb. Oh, it's been covered by the blood. It's not to be resurrected. It's not to be thought. It's not to be dabbled with. Oh, it's not to be tampered with, but it's buried. Lord, tonight, Lord, tonight, if we give it to you. Through Lord, eyes of 
compassion. 